Let's read God's word together now. Now there were in, in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and, and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw that, uh, what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Lord, we come to you today um, seeking to be taught and shaped and strengthened and encouraged by your word and, Lord, your gospel and, Lord, yourself. We need you desperately. We are... Uh, without you, uh, rudderless, aimless, hopeless. But Lord, because we are blessed with you and the guidance of your word and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we can, we can navigate our lives because we have, um, we have your support. We have your comfort and your counsel. So Lord, today, would you have your way with us? Would you give us freedom to be humble about our sin? Would you give us strength, Lord, to uh, step out in faith that that is what we need to do? And Lord, would you give us eyes to see, to see what it is that you want to teach us from your word this morning? We ask in your precious holy name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So years, years ago in my pastoral ministry, um, I partnered with the Slavic Gospel Association who did ministry in Russia primarily. And had the privilege of going there a number of times. I think it was like about seven or eight times to Russia. And one of the things that we worked on was called the Antioch Initiative. And the Antioch Initiative basically was a, a, a mechanism tool for training pastors, Christian leaders, and missionaries in the Russian context to, to continue on what they were doing. Many of them did not go to any Bible college or even seminary, and many of them were benefiting simply from the, the things that I, as well as other pastors, were coming alongside and helping them with. But the, the concept and the idea of the Antioch Initiative comes from Acts 13 and the Antioch Church. What we find here is a model for ministry. 
In this text, we find the answer as to why a young couple like J.D. and Thea would be willing to uproot themselves from this life that they know here, to leave their families, to leave their beloved friends, to leave the church that they love and served in, in order to start a new life in another country, where they don't really know the language, do you? No? Yeah, Yavul, you should be saying Yavul, I should at least know that, right? Um, um, Hogan's Heroes has helped me out with my German, just so you know that, okay? Um, where, where the culture and the customs are certainly going to be different for them, where there isn't the kind of comfort that they're used to being here in the United States. Now, understand this. If you go out of the United States, if you've grown up here, you live here, you might go outside the country, but there's something about coming here where you're comforted just by the, 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 the rules, the regulations, what is expected here, just the way people typically are. There's something comforting about that, but, but they're stepping out, out of that comfort zone. Why would, why would they and others like them do such a thing? What has been going on to get them to such a place? How does God work such changes into the life of his children? So as we consider Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12, I, 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 we're going to get some answers, and although this text is descriptive, in other words, it's telling us what happened with these people, I think there are some principles that would be prescriptive for us, some things I think we can, we can learn from this that will help us answer that question. And this is not just for J.D. and Thea and Little Piper, this is for all of us. Because we all have a part to play in this whole process. And so as we come to Acts 13, I would like to suggest to you that there are th three important roles that initiate, affirm, and pursue Christ's gospel mission. These roles are, are both independent of each other, and yet they, they work in conjunction with one another. Without them, there is no gospel mission. Without them, there is no power, support, or purpose. Without them, there is no success. There is only failure. And so let's begin this morning by thinking about this first one, and it's the critical role of the church, the critical role of the church. And we certainly see that as we open the, the pages here in Acts chapter 13. We find this church in Antioch. Now, chapter 11 tells us that this church was an established church. It was the result of the persecution that came about with Stephen that spread people out, that ran away and ended up going to a place like Antioch and establishing a church there. And it was Barnabas who came uh, from that church, went to Jerusalem, brought Paul back, and, and for a year they together were building up the body of Christ. They were establishing this church in the faith. And so what we find in the book of Acts here is that Antioch is the place where the followers of Christ were first called Christians. That's pretty significant. That was supposed to be a, a pejorative term, a term of, of derision, but it was a term that was embraced by the followers of Christ because it identified them for who they really were. So it was an established church. It was also, and it is also, an equipping church. And we find that in verses, uh, verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, now, we're there, but now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And we see as a result of this 
prophet, uh, this, this preaching God's word and teaching God's word, that people were being trained. They were being equipped. They were growing. The, the heartbeat of the church was, was disseminating the word of God, teaching the word of God. And we see the fruit of that in what we find next, and that is an integrated church. And what do you mean by that? Well, I think it's interesting as we read here these names, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, and Saul, we actually have a multi-ethnic, multicultural group of men who are all working together in this church. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? You see, in, in, in this day, in the empire at that point in time, there was very little cross-pollinating between different societies or different ethnicities. High society did not have much to do with lower levels of society or the disadvantaged or certainly even slaves. Greeks did not like Romans. Romans didn't like Greeks. Jews didn't like anyone. That was just the reality of it. But something happened as a result of the gospel. It is the gospel that unites such diverse peoples and such diverse, I want to say, situations in life. They all come together as one. And just think through then these different people. Barnabas, he was a Jewish priest from Cyprus. And he settled there as, as was the case in the establishment of, of, uh, of Antioch in a, in a place as a result of the diaspora. Then we have Simeon, who was called Niger, and that word Niger is a word that means black. And we can only conclude, I think it's appropriate to conclude, that his skin was black, and he was likely from the region of Africa. Then we have Lucius. Of course, the name Lucius gives you the idea that this person was a, a Roman person, or at least grew up in a Roman culture. And then we have Manian, and what it says there is that he was a friend of Herod which tells us that he was living, I want to say, as a prince in higher society. And then, of course, there's Saul, who was a, well, a Pharisee, a Jew, but converted, and one who was persecuting the church. God is bringing all five of these guys together, all these different backgrounds, all these different kind of say, ethnic kind of cultures, bringing them together, and it is the gospel that unites them together for one heartbeat purpose, and that is the gospel ministry. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the church should look like. That is what the church is, and we celebrate that. It's, today, people are like, you know, let's make the church more diverse. Well, they were doing that back in <laughs> here in the early, it's what it was. Well, why was it that way? Well, it was Gentile territory. So you had people from all different places that were spread all over the place, multicultural people coming together, but it was the church, it was the gospel, it was Christ that united them all. But it was also a serving church, and just think through this. Notice the words that are used uh, in verses 2 and 3 that describe the kinds of things that were going on in this church at that particular point in time. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... So there's this idea, first of all, of, of worship. This is what they were doing. It was, it was worship. But this is a word that doesn't really come from the same typical word that we think of that the Bible often uses to describe worship. This actually has a, 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 an idea of liturgy. That's the idea behind it. It's the kind of worship that serves. 
And, and what's going on here is we're saying these men were taking on the responsibility of leading the church in worship. They were serving God by serving the people in worship in the context of church. That's the kind of men that these were. It also mentions fasting and praying in verse 3, which of course is what those in leadership should be doing. I mean, this is what happened in Acts chapter 6. I mean, there was a problem, and those who were in leadership were spending so much time doing, you might want to say, uh, manual labor type things, when their responsibility really was to spend time in the Word and be in prayer for the body of Christ. And so this fasting and prayer dynamic is absolutely essential for those in Christian leadership. And then we find them laying their hands on them, these five men, and this has the idea of blessing and affirmation and commissioning, which is the basis of what we're doing here today. A couple of weeks ago, the elders laid their hands on J.D. to confirm their affirmation that he is a man of God called for ministry. We called that his ordination. And so that's when we recognize that this person has been prepared by God. He has proved himself over time in ministry, exercising ministry, and we agree as not only elders but as a church that, that J.D. fit that bill, and so we ordained him. We laid hands on him, and we, we gave him the blessing of that gift to preach the word, to be faithful in season, out of season, right? All of that stuff that Paul tells Timothy to do. But this is, this is a commissioning. And see, commissioning affirms not just a man of God, but here in this context, a couple husband and wife, for a specific ministry, mission, or task. So ordination is a conferring of a blessing on the individual. Commissioning is conferring a blessing and affirmation for the mission that God has called them to. And that's what we have here. They're worshiping, they're fasting, they're laying hands on them. And it says then, finally, that they sent them off. Now we might kind of read that and say, oh, that means they all kind of went to the airport together and as the plane w went, you know, they kind of stood by and they waved, all right? But that is actually not what this word is talking about. What this word literally means is this, to release, to let go. It means to free them. It's the Greek word luo. If you've ever taken Greek, this is the first word you learn. It means to loose. And so what this church was doing was they were worshiping, they were praying and fasting, they were laying hands on them, and then they were freeing these men for ministry. They were letting go of their grip on them. And that is what we're called to do here today, to let go, to release in a godly fashion because of the gospel our dear brother and sister and their daughter for the mission that God has called them to. You see, this is, the, this is the critical role of the church. J.D. and Thea have been a part of our church. They have used their gifts in the context of ministry. They have grown in the areas that God has gifted them. And we've seen that, and we acknowledge that, and we affirm that. And so now we are going to release them for what God has for them next. Now, that's one aspect. That's one ingredient. That's one role. But there's another role. It's the essential role of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the church, but it is the role of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice 
that first of all, the Holy Spirit calls them. It says in verse 2, the Holy Spirit told them to set apart for me these men for the work to which I have called them. This was the Holy Spirit's call. If the Holy Spirit hasn't called you, J.D. and Thea, don't go. This is not about us saying, oh, you need to go. This is about God communicating to you, God making it clear that this is what I have called you to do. If you do go without the Holy Spirit's call, you are going without his power. It's a human endeavor. You see, it is his calling that will sustain you as you go on in mission for him. The journey for these guys was going to be long. They were going to travel by boat. We find that in verse 6. Then they were going to cross the island, which is 100 miles long, 60 miles wide. That's a lot of walking, doing ministry. But then they would also encounter opposition. Some of the people, when you get to Austria, are not going to want you there. They're actually going to be a little offended that you might even think that they need another church or the gospel. Why do we need someone coming here to tell us about Jesus? This, this place is known about you know, Christianity for a long time. They might even have a really bad attitude about it. Now, the reality is, it is the Holy Spirit's call that sustains you in those times of opposition and difficulty. Now, I can testify to that personally. In my pastoral ministry, there have been numerous times in my life when I have faced great opposition. Uh, probably other people could say the same thing. People challenging, in my case, my obedience to be a faithful expositor, wanting something less than that. Challenging my commitment to speak the truth about a man's real problem, that is his sin and the consequences of standing before God without that sin being taken care of through the gospel. Or, or, or challenging my unwillingness to be conformed to the world and on and on. But it's always been God's call to ministry. In those times when I've had to stand up and say, this is what I'm about, this is what God has called me to, if you don't like it, that's okay, but I'm here to serve God. I'm not here to, to kowtow to what you want me to do. That comes as a result of God's call on your life, and that is a Holy Spirit-driven call. So J.D. and Thea, I just encourage you, Consider that call and consider your going not just about your choice or, or a connection online and that kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit has been at work through this whole process. And that should certainly give you the anchor that you need to continue doing what you're doing. Not only did he call them, but he commissions them. He commissions them. Verse 4, it says, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Here, here is the truth of the matter, guys. I know this is a commissioning service, but we're not commissioning anyone. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit who commissions the individuals or a couple to the ministry and the mission in particular that, they, that he's called them to. Our, our, the church's responsibility is to come alongside those whom the Holy Spirit has called and to affirm their call, to evaluate them, to make sure they're ready to go, and then to release them and to set them free. It is the Holy Spirit who ultimately commissions them for ministry. So J.D. and Thea, you've been faithful to serve the Lord here at Gateway. I don't think anyone would, would question that here at all. 
We've seen your life, we've seen your ministry, and you have been a, a great example to us all. Our job has been to examine your call, to recognize it, and then to affirm it, and then to let you go. And that's the bittersweetness of the joy of serving the Lord, that gospel ministry is far more important than your presence here in our midst. What God has called you to, you must do. Now, unfortunately, there are people who want to do missions but bypass the affirmation of the church. There is a parody, you can find it on the internet, but it's about this missionary couple who want to go to Aruba. And they want to do ministry uh, on, the, on the beaches of Aruba. And their goal is to share the gospel with the waiters and scuba instructors and the cabana workers and the rich people that are taking vacations there. And not only they're looking for living and ministry expenses, clothing expenses, but they believe that God would want them to be driving a Ferrari also so that they can actually relate to those people that are there. Now, it's a parody because there are some times that people think, oh, I want to do what I want to do and somehow slap God's will on it. You see, this is where the role of the Holy Spirit and the role of the church come together and the church is able to affirm, to say, what God is calling you to is really what God is calling you to. This is clearly what ministry is. Don't get me wrong. There are people in Aruba who need the gospel. But I don't know that necessarily driving around a Ferrari is the best way to get it out. A Maserati, maybe, but not a Ferrari, right? But God, God has been at work in, in your life. He's been making himself known. And, and what we might call God's providence are just ways in which God is kind of giving you a ping here and a ping here. And the affirmation of the church is another ping just to, to remind you that God is at work and he is establishing this call. He's fleshing it out. And so it is the Holy Spirit that commissions both of you for this call. But not only does God call you and commission you, he also then empowers this is what we find with these men. We, we find them, them coming up against opposition, don't we? I mean, here the, here, here's Paul, and he's sharing the gospel. And he's, he's telling uh, the, 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 the proconsul about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there is someone who comes along and, and seeking to undermine it. And notice what we find in verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And said, and I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever spoken to anyone like this before, but this is, this is harsh stuff. The point here is this, that it was the Holy Spirit that was empowering Paul to speak and to testify and to speak the truth about the opposition and what was actually going on. And as we've said, J.D. and Thea, you will face opposition, you'll face difficulties, you'll, you'll, you'll face trials in this new venture, and sometimes it will seem like you're not making any headway. But remember, the Holy Spirit's called you, he's commissioned you, and he will empower you to speak the truth to those uh, that you come in contact with. Some will reject you, some will scoff at you, but God promises to empower you as you do his work. Now, here, here's the beauty of it. You don't always see the fruit of your labors. <laughs> Even when people are scoffing, God can still work as well. It was just a few weeks ago, we had some people at the end of our service back behind the fence who were standing there laughing and making noise and scoffing with what we were doing here. It reminded me of a story of a, 
of a, a, a gentleman I met in Scotland, and we, he was sharing his testimony. He says, I was, a, I was a kid who went to, you know, got up on Sunday morning, and there was this church in town, and I would go and throw stones at the windows and make noise, and just, just be a menace. Me and my friends would do that. And one day, the pastor came out and talked to us, and he was very kind. He says, why don't you guys come inside? And we're like, no, we're not going to come inside. And they all got together, and they figured, you know, let's, let's go inside, and we'll go in the service, and we'll make a stink, and it'll be really, really funny, ha, ha, ha. And he goes in there, and they sit down, and they're singing, and the pastor gets up, and he starts speaking. And the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of his heart, his heart. And this kid who went in to cause damage, to undermine things, ends up being one who was not only called to be one of God's children, but called to be a pastor, a shepherd of God's children eventually. See, you never know what God's going to do. So even in the midst of opportunity or opposition, you know that he is empowering you. This kind of also takes us to this last thing. It's a reminder that, that he works through them. We find that in verse 12. The proconsul believed, and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. When, when, when Paul spoke and this man lost his eyesight, it was evidence that Saul was actually speaking the truth and he was worth listening to. And like I said, sometimes in ministry, the fruit of our labor is not readily seen. Every once in a while, though, God pulls back a page in the life of your ministry to encourage you. I think, J.D., your, your, your brother elder, is probably sitting back there saying, I invested in this squirrely kid and yet I have the privilege now years later to see the fruit of just what little I have done that is a good thing and we don't always see those things we don't always have the privilege that sometimes God just pulls a little bit back just to encourage us to say I'm here I'm doing what I need to do trust me and that encourages us but you won't always have that but what you do know is whether you see it or not the Holy Spirit has called you, he's commissioned you, he's empowered you, and he is at work through you. Don't forget that. And that is not just for them, it's for all of us, friends. What God has called us to do, he will work through it and he will accomplish it. So there's this critical role of the church, there's this essential role of the Holy Spirit, but now there's also this necessary role of the missionaries. And I have just three things. I'll mention them really quickly here simply because I, I don't want to spend too much time on them because it's somewhat redundant. But first of all, they are sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is directing them to call, to go, to find out. I remember the day, you know, J.D. walked into my office and said, Rada, I need to talk to you. Um, there's this church in Vienna. And I'll just be honest with you, when he told me the story, in my heart, I was just like, Lord, this is exactly where you're going to take it. There's a part of me that just knew this process was going to go through to its end. It was right. Who wouldn't want to hire J.D.? Seriously, because he's a faithful brother. And, and Thea coming alongside and being a faithful wife, and, and, and of course, the package ends with a little Piper. I mean, you know, once you meet Piper, it's like, psh. I have it all, right? But, but seriously, I'm just like, this is, most people that are looking for an associate somewhere, it's usually someone who's in another church and isn't quite, you know, happy where they're at or isn't any place at all. And, 
JD and they are at a place that they love. This is their family. This is what they, this is the place they call home. And part of me just in my mind is just thinking, this is where they're going to be. Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm just saying this was the sense that I had at that particular moment. I tried to write a really bad review. That didn't work. You know, God, <laughs> God worked through that. <laughs> um, but you know what? God works his will. But when the Holy Spirit is calling, he, he, he desires for his children to be sensitive to that call. That is necessary. But not only sensitive to it, but submissive to the affirmation of the church. I mean, the, 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 you know, these people recognize the Holy Spirit's call. Now the church is saying, yes, we think that you should go. And that is not an easy thing for people who love you to say. And yet, it is what is necessary. Not only that, but also they are called to be steadfast with the opportunity before them to, to, to dig their heels in appropriately into the gospel and to face that opposition and to rejoice at the glad reception of the gospel, whether it be in the lives of people that are already believers or people that are coming to Christ. Now, friends, and, and, and J.D. and Thea, I just want you to think through this. This is a new adventure that will bring you in contact with many new people from many new places. It will open doors that will seem to you to be challenging and somewhat daunting at times, but trust that God, by his grace and purpose in your life, is busy accomplishing his purpose in and through you. But understand this. Your ministry for God has already begun. Let me explain it. Today you're surrounded by people who love you, and we all want you to know that, right? But you're also surrounded by people who admire you. Admire you not because of some improper thing, but, but because they see in you something that they wish that they could see in themselves. I wonder how many people here are hearing about this process or just being a part of the process have asked themselves the question, could I do that if God told me to do that? Would I do that? Would I just leave my family and my friends and go to another country? Now, I know, I know you already know people on the other end, but you're, you're, you're going into a whole new Adventure where you're developing new relationships. How many people would be willing to do that? Are we so consumed with, with our context? J.D. and Thea, you are stirring up in us this, these questions, and they're good questions. We admire you for your abandon for the sake of the gospel, and it is contagious. I love the words of Paul to the Corinthian church at the end of chapter 15. He has established the gospel. He, he's riveted home the importance of the resurrection. And this is what he says. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want to leave you with that verse. I want to leave you with that thought. But I also want to leave uh, our church family with a uh, a concluding thought, one about the church, one then, or a couple, or quite a few actually about you guys. So let me, uh, let me just kind of 
dial home here. First of all, Gateway, I just want to speak to you because you're a part of this commissioning. Uh, we, we have the Holy Spirit, we have J.D. and Thea, but we also have a church. And it is the church that, that must recognize what God has called them to. So I want to encourage us as a church to keep Christ and his gospel central. It is, what, it is why this church was established. It is what we need to continue to be doing. Secondly, we must continue to love one another and build one another up in the faith. Now, we're not perfect at that. We, we fail in many ways, but that should be our driving goal as we consider one another, as we consider the body of Christ. We are to con continue to love missions and the small opportunities God gives us to serve him locally and in support of missions. And some of you have never gone into a missions context. And as Ed was saying earlier, sometimes God calls some people to stay, and that's okay. But missions is all part of, of why Gateway exists. We, exi we began with a commitment to missions. And what we're seeing today is a, is a fruit of that commitment. And we must continue, in the last sense here, to be a church that is training, equipping, growing, and releasing. As I mentioned earlier, and I think I heard it, I think Johnny mentioned it earlier, you know, Gateway is not, is, is not about necessarily hoarding, but we're about doing the best we can with the people that we've got, training them, equipping them, so that when God moves them, they are ready to go. My, my desire as a pastor, because we're living in a transient place, aren't we? People come and go all the time. But if God ever takes anyone out of Gateway, I want them to show up at their new church and be this breath of fresh air. To be people that are ready to serve, eager to get involved, careful with their theology, loving the gospel in Jesus Christ, opening their homes for the ministry of hospitality. This is what being a church is all about, and I would love to see that take place. So these are just some challenges to you, Gateway. Let's keep on doing these things. Let's keep on doing these things well. Now, Bautista family, a few things I want to say to you. You know where I'm going to come with J.D. with this one, but be a faithful expositor who smells like sheep. Um, you smell like coffee most of the time. Um, no, you, I, and I say continue. This is not be, this is continue to be a faithful expositor who smells like sheep. J.D., you have grown tremendously in your handling of the Word of God. Um, we love to sit under your ministry, and um, we're going to miss that, and we're thankful for that. Um, God has been gracious and kind to us in that way. So continue to, to love his gospel and your pursuit of Christ-likeness. Continue to, to love God's calling on your life, faithfully expositing God's word and lovingly shepherding the sheep. Continue to support Brad, your new co-laborer in the faith, in the way that you've been such a help and encouragement to me. I could not ask for a better friend or partner in ministry. I've been blessed by your support, your counsel, and encouragement through the years. I've been sustained by your growth and example. Continue to press on in new ministry opportunities and allow God to take you wherever he may lead. 
He's sending you to Austria now, but we don't know if that's just a stepping stone. <laughs> we don't know. God knows. And, and who would have thought, just with all these different things, that Ukraine would be like right there, right? I mean, that, that this relationship that we've established with people in other places can continue, maybe even in more practical ways. Thea, let me just talk to you a little bit. First of all, I love you. Um, be a faithful wife. Continue to be that faithful wife. I'll put it up here so I say it right. Continue to be that faithful wife, that mother, that sister in the Lord who embodies and radiates grace. I'm not just speaking for myself, but I'm speaking on behalf of the church. You don't always have to be an upfront person to be serving the Lord, especially in ministry. Continue to be a supportive wife as J.D. carries out his God-given responsibilities. Continue to serve Piper as you and J.D. raise her to love Christ, his gospel, and his church. Continue to, continue to exercise the ministry of hospitality by making your home, your flat, a platform for ministry. Continue to be a careful listener and encourager for sisters who are eager to grow in their walk with God. May God continue what he has started in you and what has been evident here at Gateway. And may he grow you steadily in your journey at New City Vienna. And then together as a couple, I want you to encourage you to continue to be faithful servants of God who wreak the aroma of Christ. That's what God has called us to do, to be smelly Christians. Wherever we go, that somehow what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're speaking and the things that are our priorities will cause people to ask questions about who we are and why we exist and why we do what we do. Now, we know it's the aroma of Christ. We know it's the gospel that we've been bathing in. They don't. And these are opportunities then to testify, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So as you have been an aroma of Christ in our church, may God continue to use you for his glory. Lord, help us now as we together release our grip on J.D. Thea and Piper. For your glory, your precious name, amen.